I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'll take you for a ride on the devil's ship. I'll take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. <clears throat> J-Prof. Jeremy Prophet. Um, welcome back to the show. The last time you were here, Jeremy, you came with your friend Jacques Rougeau, who we'll talk about. You were um, telling people to vote for you. There was a contest that was happening to see who would win as the number one wrestler uh, in Montreal at the time. There was a competition. Uh, Turns out it was you. Uh, You won that competition, and you're here to brag, number one. Number two, you're here to explain to me what exactly is going on now with that. You won, so I know that you're going to have a dark match on AEW, but that's the tip of the iceberg, correct? Well, I mean, when you say dark match, I mean, who knows? It might even be on. No, you might, might fight white guys too. I don't know. You might fight <laughs> white guys. I haven't. <laughs> they haven't told me. But yeah, so explain what's uh, what's going to happen. Oh, I mean, I, I took in a slew of prizes. I did exactly what I said I would do, and that was go in there and prove that I'm everything that I say I am. You know, people think that I, I talk a lot of trash, but uh, the important thing to remember is that I always back it up. My trash talk doesn't surpass my abilities. And I'm very confident in my ability. I guess that's something that's a little bit strange for professional wrestlers because for the most part, uh, you know, they're pretty insecure. I have no insecurities. So when this competition was announced, I knew that my skill set would prevail and that I'd be winning. So in winning, I received a slew of prizes, uh, $5,000 cash money from one of the sponsors. I also received the opportunity to go to Atlanta to the Nightmare Factory, biggest wrestling school in the world. So for those of you at home watching this or listening to this and you don't know what the Nightmare Factory is, just know that it's the biggest, best, most prestigious wrestling school in the world right now with connections and ties to both WWE and AEW run by QT Marshall and by Cody Rhodes. And so I'll be going there training with them for three months. And yes, I also won the opportunity to participate in the AEW Dynamite live broadcast and AEW Rampage taping taking place October the 12th and 13th at the Coca-Cola Arena in Toronto. I didn't know there was two tapings. That's pretty badass. Oh, yeah. Back-to-back nights. So there's a good chance I'll probably get two matches. I might only get one, but there's a good chance I could get two. Uh, But I've been told that we'll be there in gear, get to perform in front of the audience, and most important of all, get to perform in front of the executives, the officials, even the big boss himself, Tony Khan, to show what we're able to do. So it's a huge opportunity. It's one that I've been waiting for uh, my entire career, and I don't intend on dropping the ball. Yeah, I don't think you're going to drop the ball. What, what I did learn when, when you after you came on the show, uh, and then I had other people from wrestling. I had Mike Patterson. I, what I'm learning from this, this industry, this whole scene, is that you guys here are so dramatic, the wrestling scene. Everyone's fight. Everyone hates this person. Why that, bro? Why is this? It's like it's so, it's so hard to get into professional wrestling, to make it. Why don't you guys stick together? instead of uh, arguing with each other all the time. See, I don't start any arguments in professional wrestling. I'm one of the guys who's most proud of the fact I've never put a knife in anybody's back. If anybody's listening to this, you think I put a knife in your back? I absolutely did not because I don't need to. I've always believed in if somebody is in a spot that you want. You have to it, kill him. No, you don't. <laughs> you, just, you just have to work harder than them. Yeah. Plain and simple. If they're doing something really good, you got to do something better. And I've never been scared of hard work. I say it, I'll outwork absolutely anybody. 
You know, so I say things about myself to, to big myself up, but, but it's always based in truth and in reality. You know, you want to know the, the Jeremy Prophet equation and why I'm so confident, you know, put it to the test. What I always say is this, okay? You know, even if you want to just look at Quebec or look at Canada, you know, look at the world, this is where Jeremy Prophet's place is. So first you got to take all the guys that let's say they, they look better than me. They're in better shape than me. You know, but, but then you got to disqualify all the ones that have taken steroids because that's something I haven't done, never intend on doing, never will. So you got to disqualify all those guys. And, and already you're probably pretty much left with nobody. But let's, let's humor are the equation. Are they all on steroids? Are they all roided up? No, I'm just saying the ones that look better than me probably are um, in most cases. So you got you to gotta disqualify all those guys, just like they do in the Olympics, just like they do in the UFC. You know, these guys are out of the conversation because, yeah, they might be a little more jacked, a little more vascular, but, but they're also on the juice. So, you know, I you, have a question. Yeah. In uh, like I don't like the juice in uh, fighting sports because it's dangerous. That's right. But in professional wrestling, since you're already supposed to be um, taking care of each other, and they'll only do it for aesthetic purposes, not for competitive purposes, should it be illegal? Absolutely. Okay. 100% because that person is going to get further ahead than somebody who is natural and doing the same kinds of things because of the development of their physique. It's just like in, in Hollywood. You know, you want to cast somebody to be a, a superhero. Look, you want someone to go play Thor. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying Chris Hemsworth is, is taking, you know, chemical shortcuts, but uh, I mean... I was I, up for that role, uh, and uh, I think I would have had it if it wasn't for those goddamn roids, is uh, yeah. what I'm saying. If they had drug testing in Hollywood, you know, you'd be yeah. the next Thor. You'd be the one going out there uh, whipping Loki. Yeah. So, um, you know... You got you to disqualify all those guys. Then you take a look at who can come on a show like this, have a great conversation, keep the audience engaged, keep them on their toes, being like, hey, I want to hear what this guy has to say. You know, he's entertaining. He's a little volatile. Who can go out there in front of an audience, keep the audience engaged and reacting? Who can go backstage in front of a camera, just the red light rolling, just you and the cameraman talking to a live studio audience, to, watching at home? Big part of a pro wrestler. Yeah, you need to be able to do those things. Jeremy Prophet can do those things. So if you can't do those things, you got to disqualify all those guys too. Then when it comes to the actual wrestling, the most important part, because that's our art form. That's what we do. That's what we're selling to the people. You got to be able to go in there, wrestle for an hour plus. You got to be able to go in there, fight a wide variety of opponents, fight giants, fight midgets, fight people of all shapes, sizes, races, colors, genders, all that kind of stuff. And How have- hard is it to fight a midget though? Um, not that hard. I actually, uh, I've had a couple of matches uh, throughout my career. No different than wrestling a normal sized person. You just got to adjust to who you're in there with. We all share the same ring. So we got to make the most of the tools at our disposal. So you got to have that complete skill set. So what I say is if you can't do that, you got to disqualify those guys. Jeremy Prophet checks all those boxes. I can do all of those things. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there in the world who can maybe do one of those things better than me. I'm not saying I'm the best at everything, but find me someone that does all the things that I do as well as I do. And that person is very hard to find. I've yet to meet that person. I've You're yet- looking at him. I'm going to suplex you through this fucking table. Mm-hmm. How funny. We, we started getting chairs. I think we'd make a better tag team. Oh, dude, the tag team. Or I'm already telling you, I think I would make a great heel manager in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you definitely have the potential. You got the face for it. You got and the I look talk. and the I'm mic on. skills. Oh, the mic skills are there just because of the job. Uh, and I want to get that feeling again, the feeling I had when I was at the Bell Center this summer and for the 21,000 podcast fanatics. Record setting. Yeah, record setting. Yeah. So I'd love to feel that again. By the way, wrestlers, I don't know every week how they do it. That's a, a crazy emotional feat to be in front of so many people. That energy of energy of arenas where they're around you, the fans, and energy of theaters where they're just on one side is very different. Mm. Very different. I experienced both, so I could tell you. What they do, the professional wrestlers, what you guys do in these big arenas, 
uh, crazy, yeah. crazy to hold it together during all that, but a lot of fun. Yeah. It's what I live for. It's what I want to do. I want the bright lights. I want the biggest stages. I want to be broadcast on worldwide TV. I want that pressure. Some people consider it pressure. I don't. That's, that's how I work best. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a pressure cooker. You put me in there. That's how, when there's no pressure, I don't work as well. Mm. I need pressure. I, I create my own pressure. Okay. Deadline. That's what you need. So I got to put you under a lot of pressure today to bring out the best in you. you. It's always like that, but there's always pressure because I want it to go well. Plus I have this pressure. People can't see, but we're watching live what's happening in Greece. My, uh, my favorite soccer team is having the opening ceremonies for the new stadium, which people don't know this. Uh, I was allowed in last week. No media was allowed in because uh, of some kind of conflict. But uh, given that I'm a... I got my connections. They let me go in there and film something because I'm trying to make a little uh, mm. like a documentary series about it. Good, good. So I was there. I was there. Yeah, what you're seeing there, I was on that grass. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's very, very cool. So I like, I want to see what's happening live, make sure nothing uh, nothing wrong happens. See, they lit the flares up on the sides over there, yeah. on the bottom, on the entrance. This is crazy shit, bro. How do humans build this stuff? It's, it's really amazing. We've come a long way since the, the, the pyramids in Giza. It's impressive, right? Yeah. I, I, this summer, I noticed something here downtown at uh, Plaza des Arts. So Plaza des Arts has many theaters, and some are underground, some over. It's like this whole complex that you can't fully see from the street. And it was built, when was it built? Was that in the 70s or something, 60s? Very fucking impressive. We've, I, it's like we used to build better things in the past mm. than we do now. Well, yeah, because now you got all the, uh, you know, the, the the construction, the money laundering, all that kind of stuff going on. You know, it's why uh, they work on the roads here, the highways, and it Forever. takes, uh, yeah, it takes two years to do a job that other countries can do in two weeks. Yeah, China, China kills us. Yeah. They oh, Poseidon, there he is. Also, uh, they had slavery back in the days. Yeah, that is true. We do have to pay people now. We need oh, budgets. Yeah. <laughs> budgets are big. Thing. Yeah, I guess that slowed things down. So, how did you? How did the wrestling community in Montreal? Um, handle and receive your uh, victory because it's it's a big opportunity. Were people happy for you? Uh, were people saying I'm going to do better than you? I don't like you. Like what what kind of uh, feedback did you receive from oh, the wrestlers? Oh, I wish people were saying they'd do better than me. No one said that. No one no one's got the balls to say that because they know who the hell Jeremy Prophet is. There's, so they, they were happy. Oh they, yeah yeah they, okay. they they put enough respect on my name. I mean it's been mostly positive. You know with anything you won't have a hundred percent unanimity in people supporting you but it's been tons of positivity positivity coming from people here in quebec people in canada as i've gone and performed in a number of different provinces uh, i kind of called this a bit of my my farewell tour because in september after winning wrestling academy uh, i was scheduled to be in five different provinces in the month of september only one in canada to be able to do that Uh, it ended up only being four because of a scheduling conflict at the end i was supposed to go to alberta but uh, ended up having to leave to go to Atlanta. Uh, it was going to actually be this, uh, this weekend. I was going to be there for uh, LPW in Edmonton. But I went to Saskatchewan. I went to BC. Uh, was in Hamilton, last, uh, just outside of Hamilton. Sorry to hear that. And, <laughs> Can't win them all. And, uh, and yeah, and obviously here in Quebec uh, tonight, uh, this being pre-recorded, I guess, uh, I have my last match in Quebec. It's going to be in Sorel. And uh, that's kind of my, my farewell tour. So it's been nice. well received and tons of, you know, well wishes from all of these promotions um, outside of Quebec. And even here, there've been a handful that have been supportive. And yeah, I don't let, uh, I don't let any of the, the so-called haters or the people who want to say bad things, like whatever, I'm in there doing the work. You can't knock my ability. I'm undeniable. When you're undeniable, you're Teflon. It's like I said, you know, dealing with hate. People tell me, oh, you know, it's really unfortunate. This person said this, this person said oh, that. I'm like, you know, what did uh, Muhammad Ali have to deal with? He dealt with tons of haters. Yeah. You know, Jackie Robinson had to deal with the IRS. Uh, all kinds of hate. Yeah, it's like uh, they dealt with all of that. So, you know, me, I'm Teflon when it comes to that. Anyone wants to be a hater, I got no problem with that. Just just come be a hater to my face and see what I do to you. 
You this know, is a nice evolution. If you look at the first time you were here, mm-hmm. we were promoting Joe Fo in the ring, and we're talking about hopefully you getting an opportunity to showcase your stuff in the States. We mentioned AEW. So it's nice to see that we're doing things and things are actually happening because you did it. Yeah. You know, you, you've you opened this door up for yourself, and now it's just a matter of going through it, seeing what you can get from it, and uh, hopefully your career just continues like this. You go to the next level. And as much as I love this place, uh, you get the fuck out of here because there's more opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, totally. And the, and the reason I'm doing that is because I said a famous line the first time I was on here where I said, one of the things that held me back was that uh, although I'm a great wrestler and very talented, uh, I'm not a great politician. And I realize why I'm not a great politician. I'm not a great politician because I actually keep my promises. So like when I came on here and I said I was going to do this, I was going to break through that glass ceiling by hook or by crook, by any means necessary, here I am doing it. Also, you don't seem to have an issue with visible minorities. I think that's why you can't make a good politician. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, it, my success has really just been a case of doing the hard work. Yeah. With, with Wrestling Academy, I said to Jacques, I said, Jacques, the only thing that I need is a level playing field. And for anywhere in the world, put me up against anyone. Put me up against the guys in AEW, WWE, anywhere in the world. Give me a level playing field. Evaluate my talent and ability without prejudice. Just purely what I bring to the table, all the skills, not the hearsay, not the he said, she said, just simply what I can do. And you will see a talent that is maybe once in a generation, once in a century, once in a, in, in, in a, in a millennium. I like that kind of, that kind of thinking. And no one has proved me wrong. I dare anyone to step up, prove me wrong. I, I'm, you know, I'm not scared to say how good I am because I've yet to see anyone prove that I'm not. I'm very confident in myself. I'm not arrogant. I just say the truth. And I think that in wrestling and, you know, also you talk about visible minorities, there's this whole thing of we have to walk with our heads down and, you know, uh, say, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, yes, massa. Yeah, uh, please. And, and, you know, that's, that's not, that's not me. I'm like, y- you want to tell me that I'm less than what I am. Okay. Step in the ring and prove that to me. Step up to me in a backstage, step up to me anywhere. Prove that. to How me. How much time do you need to work your best matches? Like, let's say you have a good person to work with. They're attentive. They want to really bring out the best in you and vice versa. What's the best time frame that you have in order to get something on paper, something you could practice together that will be fucking phenomenal for us to watch? Great question. And I will see that question. I'll raise you this. It's not a question of how much time do I need? It's both of us wanting to invest the most time possible. Okay. And that's something, if there's young wrestlers out here listening to this, that is what leads to great matches, memorable matches, five-star matches, whatever cliche you want to use. It's what you put in is what you get out. So, I mean, if somebody, you know, we get announced for a match, they want to call me up or hit me up on Messenger and say, hey, let's start going over some ideas. I love it. The sooner you tackle that match, the better it's going to be. Love it. When I get to a show, I'm all about business. I'm not there laughing, telling jokes, worried about what I'm going to sell in terms of merch. I'm there to work. The match is the priority because the promoter is putting money in my pocket. Those people are paying to see a show. My name is on the line. Hey, you know, Michael Jordan couldn't take a night off. You know, he had to always over deliver and I'm the same way. Are you saying that because you know I love Michael Jordan? Oh, I love Michael Jordan too. It's my guy. Oh, yeah? My guy too. Takes everything personal. I love it. Yeah. Big inspiration. Big yeah. inspiration to me. I try to be the Michael Jordan of wrestling. That's what I want to be. The guy who worked the hardest. I want to be the Michael I, Jordan of basketball, but it was taken. Yeah. It's true. You, you also want the right color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. You don't be fucking cool. Uh, I, but now I, I don't think I'm going to get the chance because uh, you're probably going to end up doing most of your stuff in the States. But I really wanted to be your heel manager once just to go out. I, I need you as a heel because you're athletic because you could do so much. 
Because heels, if they're not good wrestlers, it's not that much fun. But when the heel can actually bring it to the table, you know, bring something to the table, mm -hmm. and then you have a heel manager just revving everyone up, be like, you goofy sons of bitches, let me show you how it's really done. There's something good about that. Yeah, absolutely. We have to get our opportunity. Oh, man, in, in a heartbeat. I yeah. got to be your heel manager. And, and don't think that, like, you know, I'm, I'm gone forever. You know, this is the kind of thing. This is one of the good things about... But I kind of hope you will be. Yeah. I, I wish you the most success. And um, I don't wish you to leave in a bad way. Just that that's where I know in your career you're going to find the most success. So I'd rather unselfishly wish that upon you and have you succeed instead of selfishly be here so we could do... You get it. So I'd yeah. rather you succeed because these opportunities don't come uh easy they don't come often no you have to take f full advantage of the shit and it'll be nice it'll be nice to see you uh, on tv and, and showing off what we have here because i know it's not just you i know people have told me that there's a, a couple of good quebec wrestlers mm -hmm. that if only they were somewhere else it would have been easier for them yep. but they have the quality they're athletic uh they're tough they persevere they 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 put up good matches they're willing to risk a lot risk their body so it's good for you to be that showpiece for us so yeah we can show them what we can do. And, and that's another thing I wanted to add to my equation there. Not just, you know, the look and the, the wrestling and the promo ability, but also I've been doing this for 17 years. Never been injured. Never broke a bone. Never tore a ligament. Never had a surgery. Nothing like that. As durable as they come. And so you got to take all that into consideration when yeah. you evaluate and appraise my position in wrestling. With that said... Um, there are a lot of avenues that can lead me right back here. You know, um, AEW, for example. Drug abuse. Uh, that, that won't happen. Never took a drug in my life. But uh, with... Uh, Crippling addiction I, prostitutes. I, 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 I doubt the, 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 what I'm about to go through is going to drive me to addiction. No, no, you'll be fine. But uh, when it comes down to it, uh, like AEW, for example, their contracts allow for talent to still perform on the independent scene. So if, let's say, I were to get hired by them, which would be a blessing... Uh, I would still have the ability to come back and perform here in Quebec, just like uh, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, just like 2.0. They, you know, came back, did some shows for us. And um, I think I would have that same flexibility. And so not only would I be able to represent Quebec proudly over in the United States, but I'd get to bring that back here and show people that I haven't forgot where I came from. And I think that's a, a big thing with a lot of these guys. They make it to big companies, but they end up just kind of forgetting here. They, they, they kind of become amalgamated into the system. They become assimilated. And me, I'm like, no, I'm never going to lose sight of who I am, of my identity and the people who were there for me at the ground level. I like, uh, I like your, where your head's at. Yeah. Think, do you, you want to give back to kids too? You want to teach them how to wrestle, smack some of these little shits around? Or? Oh, yeah, I would love to. I actually was teaching um, at a few different schools, just you know, sporadically, but I love passing on my knowledge. And you got to give back. You know, look at a guy like Jacques Rougeau. I've said it. He's the only guy who took his success, his immense success in the wrestling business and said, I'm not just going to sit on my laurels and, you know, collect money and, and build my fame. I'm going to take wrestlers from all over the country, from Vancouver to St. John's, and I'm going to give them an opportunity to be seen by one of the biggest companies, give them a platform to perform on. He's the only one. That, and hey, if I'm lying, I'm dying, no, 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 but he's the I, only one. There's something I heard recently. Someone came, a fan came and told me a story about him that I'm going to run through you mm -hmm. so you could tell me sure. what the etiquette is in, in pro wrestling. I don't know yeah. what the etiquette is because he told me because he watches the podcast and he watched, he, he saw the interview with you. Then he saw when we had Jacques on and he had, yeah. and apparently there was a, I don't know what, show, I don't know if it was the stuff that you guys were doing or if it was another one, but there was a wrestler that he, uh, he was performing that night and he had his merch and, and Jacques wouldn't let him sell his merch. Mm -hmm. And so the guy packed up his shit and left. Oh, yeah. Now, what's the etiquette in on the pro wrestling circuit? Uh, I know for stand-up, if I would bring merch, I would be allowed to sell my merch. Uh, is that not the case in wrestling? If, if you, you can't sell your own merch, like what's the... 
Oh, it varies from promotion to promotion. And I mean, that guy, uh, his name's Brad Alexis. He's actually a good friend of mine. Oh, so you we're, know what's happening. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I know him personally. It's not like a vague story. Okay. No, no, it's not vague at all. No, he's a good friend of mine. We're, we're still very good friends. And uh, he was actually supposed to be in my match tonight, uh, that night. Yeah, so we were going to do a six-man tag. It ended up being a three-on-two handicap match. And, uh, you know, me and my partner, Carl Jepsen, we still got the job done. That was on Jacques' show. So, yeah, he, that, I was directly involved in that. Um, the, the way it works is it's different everywhere. So I can tell you shows like I've done here in Quebec, for the most part, you submit your merch, they sell it, you set the price, plain okay. and simple. I did a show two weeks back in Vancouver, and the policy there was that the venue takes a 10% cut on the merch that you sell. Okay. I've done shows in the Maritimes where they take, I think it's something like uh, a $5 cut or, you know, they take a certain amount. So it's different everywhere. The but this was, you're not allowed to sell your merch at all if it's not my merch. I've well, the bottom line is this. You go there to perform for the promoter. Yeah. The promoter sets the rules. The promoter could say- but I'm saying, uh, is it weird? Does anyone else set that type of rule you can't sell any merch? Um, is it, it sounds in yeah, my yeah, head, no, it sounds I've, excessive. No, I've, I've been on shows. I've been on several shows. Look, I've man, I've done over a thousand matches in my career, 17 yeah. years nonstop. I never took a break. So I never been injured, never had any burnout, uh, mental, whatever. Mental? You're in love like, with this. What are you talking exactly, about? Exactly. Yeah. If I was a promoter, I could probably have you working 12 hours a day and you'd be like, can I work a bit extra? I've had shows where I've worked three matches in the same night. I've had shows where I've done, uh, you know, hour long matches. So how it's much like, time you put in the gym every day? Uh, I put in a minimum, I'd say, of about two hours. I was actually just in the gym before coming over here. I like what um, I'm hearing. Just so I could fit that into my schedule because uh, I'm pretty stacked today. Got another interview. I got uh, my final match. So, yeah, that's always part of it. But uh, just to say, the promoters set the rules. Uh, I've been on shows where they say, okay, you guys can't sell merch because of X and Y reasons. I've been on shows where the promoters will say, you can't do a dive to the outside. You know, it's Jacques' show. If he says, I don't want guys running the ropes, I don't want guys doing punches and kicks, it's his show. So you yeah. agree to do the show or you don't agree to do the show, plain and simple. It's why I have no animosity against my buddy Brad, still a very good friend of mine, a guy who's doing a lot of good business. He was just in the Netherlands. He's going to Mexico. He's a top talent here in Canada. Doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Don't know why. Maybe it's because he's black. I don't know. I don't but, think, uh, I, I'm starting to think, the, I'm, I'm looking at this in comedy terms too. It's the market, man. We keep forgetting we don't have as big of a market and it changes everything. Like there's, um, where the fuck was it recently that someone was talking about shows that they were putting on and it was just, it was always full. Even in New York, my friends that are in New York right now, like, dude, you just put on rent and it's always full because there's so many people. Mm. Our market, even country, 35 million people and the country's so big, they're so, yeah. they're so, we're so scattered. Yeah. We want to do what everyone else does, but it's so small, the market. So you really have to pull people out and get these niches out. It makes it so much harder. If you think about it, province to province, there's only maybe two big cities. Yeah, in where each are province. they? Yeah. Just think about the big, the real big cities in Canada. Yeah. There's Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton. Every province kind of has two. You know, Vancouver, they, they, I mean, BC, there's Vancouver, maybe Victoria. Uh, you go to Alberta, Edmonton, Calgary. Montreal, it's, or Quebec, it's Montreal, Quebec City. Yeah. Um, Ontario, it's Ottawa, Toronto. And, and they're not and, even that big if you compare them to real other big cities yeah, on, on, I mean, on the planet. Quebec, Quebec itself would be like uh, maybe 10, 10 states in the U.S. Yeah. If you look at how it's divided and whatnot. So it's like, you know, people don't realize that, that, yeah, there's a lot of land, but there's not a lot of population occupying it. It's a real thing in Canada. It's huge. It's so, that's yeah. why it's always hard because you're like, fuck, I have a good product. 
we just don't have the. That's why it's so good to open the doors and go into another country. Yeah, just but to get that exposure when when we can. And there's not all the, the the red tape and the other BS associated with it, like you know going to entertain in the United States. You'd think that uh, Canada and the U.S. would have some kind of a great uh, agreement together. Uh, it's 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 always difficult for artists. Yeah. I got to get that O one. You got they make it complicated on you. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no there's no free trade agreement when it comes to uh, entertainment and uh, any and even with sports, it's it's difficult too. You know, I, I talked to some guys from the UFC and they were telling me that even you know getting visas for some of these other countries and stuff, it, it, it's just as hard as them. Thankfully, like you know, the UFC for example, a lot of Americans there, but a lot of the overseas fighters, you know, they have a hard time acquiring a visa because it's the same politics like us in wrestling, where they have to show that they're an exceptional talent and all the other things that they have to prove. It's why a lot of guys pad their records, too. That's that's a big thing. You can maybe talk to your buddy, uh, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, yeah. but it's a real thing of now. I'm going to watch him in New York in December. He's uh, in uh, December is or end of November. He's fighting for a million dollars and the, uh, yeah, and the yeah. championship. Is that Where is that? New York? It's New York, yeah. The Hulu Theater in the Madison Square Garden. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. What's the date on that? I might, I, might, I might even come check it out. Poseidon, what's the date on that? Check it right now, the PFL Finals. I'm so excited because he's one of our friends and he's a good yeah. dude. And to see him not just be able to win the title, but to become a millionaire yeah. that night, is it's going to get emotional. Yeah, no, I'll say this. And I followed his career. You know, I'm a big UFC fan. Very, very big UFC Bro. fan. And I followed his career. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that his run in the UFC, if you look at the guys that he went in there and he fought, he beat a lot of good guys. But the guys who beat him, which, by the way, the guys, they never finished him. Yeah, exactly. And, and, yeah. and the guys who, fi- who, who faced him and beat him by decision went on to have great careers. He yep. just got unlucky that he ran into guys that were like buzzsaws in that division. Guys like Gilbert Burns, who, you know, went on to be a top, a top three fighter, a title, a title yep. contender. Um, you know, and so his losses, I feel, have aged really well in the sense of people maybe at the time thought, oh, this guy is not that good. Whereas it's like, it no, the opposite. he just ran into guys who were like elite once in a lifetime fighters. And now with the win streak that he's been on, it's just killing, man. I think he's, he's gonna, he's gonna get his just desserts. He's going to get that money. I've watched PFL specifically because of him. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to get that money and he's a hell of a fighter. And I wouldn't mind after he wins that million, seeing him coming back to the UFC. Cause I think he can still do a lot of damage there. He at, could, uh, and he's open. He's open. He just loves fighting and training. He's he's obviously going to be open to it as long as it's a good offer. Uh, but I think the PFL will probably want their defending champ sticking around a bit. Uh, however, you know you got to do what's best for you, what's best for your career. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing him go anywhere. I'll, like I'll, he's he's my boy, so I'll support him wherever the hell he goes. Yeah. Uh, he could decide to go and fight women. I'll be like, you know what, bro. You got to teach these bras what's up. So that could, <laughs> no, but he, that, that could be an interesting uh, organization. The yeah, inter, interleague, intergender fighting yeah, championship. Yeah. No, 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 that would be that would go one way. I'll tell you right now, that would go one fucking way. <laughs> but he's he's such a good dude, and he works so fucking hard. Yeah. It's so good to see that he's gonna get what he deserves. Yeah. So it's fucking awesome. Plus, the local guy, bro, he's a Quebecer. Yeah. So you gotta fucking support the Canadian the gangster. He's a Canadian gangster, dude. He's he's, yeah. a, he's a nice dude. He's such a good dude. Yeah. So that's why I like seeing us do stuff. Like everyone from here is um, like the artists and the fighters. We're, we're starting to peak a bit. Yeah. We're on the Quebec scene, especially more than the rest of Canada. I've noticed Canada like stagnated after Drake. <laughs> like Drake fucking killed it, and everyone's like, he's done. Get out there, oh, do well, stuff. Well, that's okay because I'm gonna be like the next Drake. I'm gonna be the guy who started at the bottom. Now, now he's here. That's going to be my motivation. and that's. Are you half Jewish, sir? I actually am. How did you yes! know? <laughs> yes! Yes! We got it! Yes! Got it. I swear to God, before the show, before the show, we were talking, and then I forgot something about looking at the Greece thing, and then I go, what's Jeremy Prophet? 
And then uh, he's like, I don't know. I think he's half something, half something. And I go, what? And then he goes, he gives me Drake vibes. I go, well, Drake is half Jewish. And then he's like, that's the vibes I get from him. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. I called it. I was so good, bro. Oh, fuck. I called him the, the. I called you the 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 Drake of wrestling. That's what he said. I yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the my, Drake of wrestling. I like Drake. Yeah, my dad is Jewish, and uh, I'm so happy when I get predictions. Oh, him it's the him it's the opposite, right? Uh, Drake. Drake is I think his mom. Yeah, it's his mom. Yeah. Oh, that's the the wrestling Drake. That's fucking. Uh, that's bad. I like Drake. Did a lot for Canada too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, arts wise, you know Drake and and even the weekend too, kind of you know catching on and. Bro, the weekend's fucking one of my favorite artists ever. Yeah. I was onto the weekend before he was big. He remembers this. People thought I was an asshole. I was sharing his music, and people were like, "What the fuck is this?" They, they didn't get it. Yeah. And then the radio started to play him, yep. and then everybody became a fan. A lot of people I'm OG. still don't get it. Yeah. Oh, I fucking get the fuck out of it. I love the weekend. Yeah, he was my favorite for a while. Yeah, yeah. no, it's nice to see Canadians succeeding like that, and that that's the same thing I want to do because. Not everyone has the same path in wrestling. So in anything. Pe- well, yeah. And, and I feel a lot of people, they chose the path that I didn't want to take, which is the path. And it's going to be crude of me to say, but that's the kind of show we're on. Uh, the path of kissing ass. I don't kiss any ass that I don't want to kiss. And so I chose the path of hard work, the harder path, but the one that makes you appreciate it more when you get there, that you've had to go through struggle, but also learning skills, refining them on the way, building that chip on the shoulder, watching guys on TV week in, week out that you know you can do a better job then. So when that opportunity finally comes, you're seasoned, you're ready, and you're mentally ready for anything it's going to throw at you because this means more than anything to you because you didn't get the golden ticket. You didn't get fed with the silver spoon. You had to work and grind and fight, bite, scratch, and claw, do whatever you have to do to get there. So that's my motivation, and that's why I know I'll succeed because when I get there, I'll be mentally ready for any hurdle, for any obstacle, anything that's thrown my way because I want this uh, hell. If I couldn't do this, I wouldn't even want to be alive. Yeah, what else would you rather be doing? This. Plain and simple. It's like when people ask me, what's your favorite part of wrestling? Is it the, the, the camaraderie? Is it the road trips? Is it the, it, no, it's the actual wrestling. Th- yeah. That's my favorite part of this. And I, it's, it's fun to think about how we had met years ago without knowing it yeah. uh, at wrestling events when, when we were younger. Um, and you, so here's the question. Now maturing, you're learning more, you're getting into it. You're, you're an adult man. Things like, we spoke about other wrestlers, like maybe you had rivalries before and they had put some spokes in your wheel mm-hmm. when you were younger. Those kind of situations, if you were to meet them now on the way, let's say you end up in WWE, you meet one of your old rivals, if they would come to you and you guys would, would you be able to bury the the hatchet and be like, you know what, look, he's, I was a dumb kid. I don't know what the fuck I was even thinking, I, I, and I'm sorry, and then you guys talk about it. Would you be able to move forward? For the right price. You know, we're all professionals when it comes down to it. So. You would do business. I know that you would probably do the business for sure, but you might not like each other personally, but would you be able to speak to them face-to-face and be like, you know what, shit happened? Whatever, let's move forward. And if everyone's cool with it, you'd be able to be all right. I'm not saying go to dinner every night, but just be cool. I'd be willing to do business. I mean, look, when it comes down to it, I'm not here to compromise my values. But, you know, you, you kind of put this in a light where it's like I'm going and I'm apologizing. And it's like, no, I, well, I said they would be apologizing. But uh, hey, look, yeah. I, I, I'd be willing to accept an apology. There I look at some of these people and you say it's funny when, when I was younger, they want to put spokes in my wheels. Uh, they still want to put spokes in my wheels. They are deathly afraid and they've always been deathly afraid of me because I have this talent. I look the way I look. I carry myself with confidence. I don't back down from a fight. I'm the kind of person who you try to mess with me. You're not going to melt me. You're not going to break me. 
Okay, so I'm there to go for the jugular, to go after, you know, Michael Jordan said it. He said when he first joined the Bulls, he's like, I wanted to find the top guy and I wanted to be on him. I wanted to, to earn that spot from him. So that was always me. And that put a lot of fear in a lot of these guys. And they knew, hey, we can't break him. We can't haze him. We can't do this because, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty rough, rough kid. So, you know, it, it's a case of these guys know that I will just change the entire landscape if I'm in the position that they're in. I will change the perspective of, People now think this is what a Quebec wrestler looks like. Look at these certain people on TV. And it's like, then you have me. I know what I bring to the table. I know that in any one of these metrics. You know the game. You know, you're jacked. You put on a good show. Yeah, I mean, You're also aerial. Uh, by the way, people don't talk about this. But you, you're a bit of a high flyer. You don't mind taking risks off the top rope. Nope. And if people are like, well, it's wrestling. Of course he's going to do it. No, there's no of course. So a lot of people that just can't do it. They're not athletic enough. They're not. And it's dangerous. And I've seen you pull off some fucked up moves. Yeah, yeah, 450s, moonsaults, all that kind of stuff. Stuff that, you know, maybe these guys used to do in their younger days, but now, you know, their knees don't work anymore. Their necks are broken. Their shoulders are falling apart. Their, 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 their hair's falling out. You know, they all these kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So with me, I bring it all to the table. I Like I say, you know... A lot I, of badassery in I, your thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, 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 I don't just play, like, the piano. I play all the keys on the organ. You get everything in, in a Jeremy Prophet performance. Everything. And that's what it comes down to. So these guys, of course, they're deathly afraid of that kind of thing. And, you know, now they're getting up in age. They're older than me. Their bodies are breaking down. It's like I've said, I've outlived almost all my enemies in this business. I've yeah. been around. These guys, they go off. They have families. They go work mundane jobs, sitting behind a desk. They, they gave up on their dreams. I don't give up. I don't give up on anything. You're going to have to break me. You're going to have to put me six feet in the ground if you want to stop me. So in saying, you know, am I going to... Uh, be cordial with these people and whatnot. Look, I'm a professional. I'm a professional first and foremost. So, you know, if we can talk, we can hash things out for sure. Yeah, that's, that's no problem. But uh, I'm not going to sell out to my core beliefs. I'm not going to sell out to the things. If I feel I've been wronged, then, you know, people will know about that. But, you know, I'm a professional first and foremost. And if there's money to be made, if a boss asks me to work with these people, That's what being a professional is. So I can't put personal animosity ahead of business. Business comes first with me. How Would you be willing to change your uh, wrestling name? Sure. Yeah, okay, sure. I like that. You're, you're a team player. They can, right. they can change my name. They can change my appearance. They can't change what's in my heart and my soul. Look, I hope fucking everything works out. This, as soon as, you, if you get to AW, let's say, because I like the way they're running their stuff. It's very unorthodox. If you get there and they're finally willing to get writers, you let me know, bro. I'll come in there. All right, nice little storyline for you, and it'll fucking work. Yeah, that's yeah, what we're sure. gonna do. Because I don't like this whole wrestlers writing everything. You need you need someone to put you keep you in check. I feel like everyone needs someone. Like Poseidon keeps me in check. I'll say something. He's like, no, I have him there. I'll do the same to him, you know, or Mike or something. You need people to keep you in check. You can't just do everything and assume it's good. Someone has to tell you it's shit sometimes. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of times you have to be um, responsible to your fan base. So sometimes the only way you really know if something's good, even if the you fans do, are mad. Yeah. If the, if the fans are mad, the ratings aren't there, that kind of thing. What's that's, up with this CM Punk guy? I heard he was talking a lot of shit. He had a hell of a press conference. I'll yeah, tell you is that Is he much. fired? That's what I heard. Uh, I don't know. Uh, no one really, I mean, I guess the powers that be over there know, but uh, that was a hell of a press conference. He said a lot of controversial things. It was very um it didn't seem that volatile. controversial. Though. He just said these guys are being assholes. I mean, if you look at it in the context of he's, an extension of his character. Yeah. But I mean, the idea of those press conferences is that they're kind of out of character. So they come across more as a shoot, but we never know what's real in wrestling. So, you know, to me, it's like, Hey, his press conference, I think that was the most viewed thing 
piece of content that they put out in a while. I know I watched it several times, of course, because I'm studying. Like, I also study all these guys that are over there. I study everyone from the, the, the people in the office to the, the wrestlers. I mean, I got to go in there. I got to make the best impression. So I'm always studying that. And uh, that press conference, I mean, it got a lot of eyes on the company. Yeah. Look at it like this. WWE did Clash at the Castle the day before. They had that This was a pay-per-view in the UK. Yeah, Clash at the Castle. It was in Wales. Wales, okay. And the next day, AEW, they had their pay-per-view in Chicago. And that press conference made everybody stop talking about Clash of the Castle and everybody was talking about AEW. So you got to take the positives with the negatives. You know, maybe some guys got upset about that and whatnot, but it got everybody, it shifted the whole conversation away from WWE and AEW. You go on like the the news rumor sites, it was all AEW, AEW, CM Punk, this, Tony Khan, the Young Bucks, everything was AEW for like the next two, three weeks. No one was talking WWE. Okay, that's actually a good strategy. That's what we're going to use. Anytime Rogan has a good guest on, uh, we're going to say that there was an attempted murder thing happening with Poseidon. Someone tried to kill him. And then he's going to do a shoot interview blaming me. I'm all for this, bro. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it, bro. I'll risk my life. These young bucks, though, I heard they're being uh, uncooperative. They're acting like they control the show in real life. Is this true? I don't know. I mean, I've been on two shows with the young bucks. They were nice to you? Yeah, we got along. Yeah. It seemed nice. Yeah, but I, I hear that they're assholes backstage, which I w- makes me kind of like them more. I'll tell you this: I was backstage with them. Hate to break it to you, but they seemed like good guys. They worked with a couple buddies of mine. Always nice. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. just CM Punk good, is good, unlikable. Good is res- that possible? Good, good wrestlers too, the Young Bucks. Is it? Oh, very good wrestlers. Yeah. Is it possible that CM Punk is just unlikable? It could be. It could just be that. Maybe he's the problem. You never know. Like with these kinds of stories, it's like you got three sides to stories. You got. His side, his side, and then you got the truth somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So when it comes down to it, you know, me going into that kind of an environment, being a low man on the totem pole, it's like, uh, you know, I got to go in there. I got to see. I got to analyze. You know, when it comes down to it, who knows? Maybe if they're both there, both sides are there. I might be getting along with all these guys. I, yeah, you probably yeah. will be. So that, that's one of the things is that we can't just believe everything that's, that's online. Uh, there's still an investigation going on from what I hear, which even at that, maybe I'm just believing what's online. Because there, fi- there was apparently a physical altercation in the locker room after that uh, interview, right? That's what they say, yeah. Yeah, following the interview, there's a physical altercation, Poseidon. Uh, a man was choked out. Someone was slapped. So these are things that normally are unacceptable. You're not supposed to take it to that level after even a shoot interview. That's why uh, there's... Um, so much talk about online. They go, did it get so out of hand that people actually got into a fist fight backstage? That's unacceptable. Because it's a workplace. Like me and yeah. you, we argue yeah, yeah, yeah. in front of the camera and then I punch you in the face. People are not going to accept that. They're going to be like, well, what is he doing? Is he crazy? Yeah, but they can take it. No, no, they could take it, but it's just, it's unprofessional. But it happened, You right. could take a punch too. It, it, it's, un- it wouldn't be professional if I punch you in the face. You're right, it wouldn't. Let, yeah. me, let me just say this though. Okay, you could take so, a lot of punches. You could take a fucking two by four in the head. So, so I feel like I came on here. I talked about my sports background. Yeah. I, look, I've been in sports locker rooms. Played you know, hockey for 15 years, baseball for 16 years, track and field. Um, I, did, uh, I did competitive comedy improv i i have seen fights in locker rooms in all of those things this is not an isolated and and in wrestling i've seen tons of fights in locker rooms here in quebec in other places tons i've um i've never really found myself in one it's interesting i've been i've been kind of the pull apart guy but i've never found myself in one but it's not like it's something that's exclusive 
to AEW. I think it's just something that the news came out and it's more in the public eye. WWE, there's tons of stories of locker room fights there. I remember, you know, reading about one years ago where uh, the Big Show got into a fight with the great Kali and it sounded like the most hilarious thing. They said like Big Show was mad about some stuff in the match. Kali came backstage. Big Show started giving it to him. They started tussling. They said it looked like King Kong and Godzilla. Um, Apparently Kali got the better of him. One version of the story said that Big Show tripped over somebody's bag, which was why Kali got the better of him. So it's like, this is wrestling. It's a, it's a physical sport. Tensions are high. And the violence, it's, it's, it's just as much a part of it outside the ring as in the ring. You know, uh, ask any of these old veterans. I saw Hacksaw Jim Duggan did an interview. He said he got into a fight with uh, Matt Bourne, who was the guy who played Doink. And it was, what? Doink the Clown? Yeah, the guy who played Doink the Clown, the original one. Very scary. And Hacksaw, they got into a fight. And Hacksaw had a reputation, from what I hear. Uh, I remember traveling with Lanny Poffo, and he said that Hacksaw was a guy back in the day, nobody wanted to mess with him. Like, the locker room was afraid of Jim. Even though he seemed like a big, friendly guy on TV, Jim Duggan was a guy nobody wanted to mess with. He and, looked tough, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's from Glens Falls, New York. They're almost a Canadian. They're so close to the border. Yeah, they're tough cookies. I remember uh, Tony Atlas, uh, he told me he got into this big fight with, um, with Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful. And uh, they had gotten into a fight and they had to work a match with each other uh, after this fight had happened. I don't know if it was years later or if it was maybe, you know, within the same year. But they got into a fight because they were in the car and they just uh, couldn't stand each other. And Orndorff called them up for a fight. And from the sounds of it, Tony Atlas kind of got the better of him. He said, I took him down and he couldn't get up because Tony was, a, was an amateur wrestler, too, in addition to being a bodybuilder, huge guy and uh, probably not natural. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, a lot he, of these guys, he, he got the better of him. So, I mean, fighting has been a part of wrestling. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's unprofessional because we're supposed to be working with our opponents, taking care of them. But uh, look, it's 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 ingrained in the business. It's part of the culture. And I think that this is just such a big incident because these are top guys involved in this. And it's very much, you know, the social media era where everything is publicized. Everyone's got blogs. Everyone's got, uh, you know, these a lot of attention on them. So even I do. So when it comes down to it, it's just more people hearing about it, knowing about it. And uh, people are all going to make their own judgments based on the information that's available to them. Okay. Okay. Uh, You're kind of taking a neutral stance, I see, on this. You're not the... I don't don't have one side. Like I said, I've met the Bucks... Maybe twice I've been on shows with them. I've been on two shows with CM Punk, which were and they were WWE. all nice to you. Um, I didn't really have much interaction with CM Punk. Uh, I met him once. I tell this story a Bit lot. Bit of a recluse, the man. Well, I met him once with uh, with Paul. You know, our, our common friend there, yeah. uh, Polly Pigeon. As you what call is him. going on with Polly Pigeon? Is he alive? What's guy? Uh, he's you know married and doing that. Uh, all right, doing yeah, that he's kind got of, a life. He's got a kid. Yeah. He's got a seven year old kid, six or seven year old kid. Yeah. Holy shit! All right. Yeah, it's a real adult. To me, he's still a kid. Yeah, but, that's why uh, it's weird, yeah. But yeah, no, so we, we met CM Punk, uh, I forget where, somewhere in the States. And uh, I remember, I always tell this story because Paul went to him for an autograph. And he's just standing there outside the hotel. And Paul's like, hey, can I, can I get a, not an autograph, he went to him for a picture. And he's like, hey, can I get a picture? And Punk's response was, kind of looked over at him and was like, can you say please? <laughs> which which I, I found really funny. I mean, he's not that. wrong. I Well, no, I mean, these guys yeah. get harassed all the time, airports, hotels, yeah, yeah. all this kind of thing. And it's like, you know, even I've been in that position where people are like, sign this, sign this. Oh, just sign this. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, you don't speak to that. Uh, Me, everyone's nice. Like, can I have a photo? Can you sign this? No uh, one's ever yelled I was at, at a merch table last week and there's a kid there, goes up to someone. Yeah, sign this, sign this, sign, just to each person. So, so I get where Punk's coming yeah, from. Yeah, with some that. of these kids. But uh, those are my, my few interactions that I've had with these guys. 
And so, you know, I, I, it's hard for me. I can't, t- you, you don't have to take a side in these kinds of things, you know, especially when you don't know all the information. It's like, I always say, people will hear stuff about me. There's so much hearsay and people will just take it as gospel. You know, someone posts something. Oh, you know, Jeremy said this to this. And then tons of people, oh, he's this, he's that. He's a bad guy. He's a, these are people who've never come up to me, never said hi to me, never shook my hand, never had a conversation with me, know nothing about me. And they're going to go and they're going to believe hearsay because they see it online. So so you you have no controversies ongoing? I don't think I do, no. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, yeah. I like to create controversy just, just through being confident and being who I am. Wait, apart from that, apart I, from I that. Mean, I mean, no, I just, I, look, I have a tendency to rub people the wrong way. I always say it. I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm a pretty hard pill to swallow, but, you know, I, I don't speak anything but the truth. So but I understand why you're a hard pill to swallow. You handle your business. Everyone's safe with you. You haven't injured anyone. You put on a good show. You always show up. Because I don't submit to being part of the average there are tons of people in society who want to be part of the average. They're a good they, enough crew is what you're talking about. They, everything's I, good enough. I don't, I don't want to be part of the average, man. I don't, you know, God created us in his image. I'm just trying to live up to my demigod status. That's, that's all it is. And, you know, I say a comment like that and it rubs tons of people the wrong way. Oh, look at him. Look what he's saying. And it's like, no, it's like, think of it like this. They always have those kids in school and they know the answer to the question, but they're scared to raise their hand because, oh, I'm going to be a smarty pants. I just want to fit in with all the dum-dums in the middle class. So, you know, me, I'm not that person. I got the answer. I'm raising my hand. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care. You don't like it. Come see me. You'll, you'll see what happens. It'll be, uh, it'll be a lot worse than uh, anything going on in the backstage between people, you know, getting choked out and hit with chairs and bitten. But uh, no. Oh, yeah, it's just somebody got bitten apparently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not scared to be that guy. I'm not scared to. I got the answer or I'm good at something, I'm not scared to be good. I don't have to pretend to be part of the average to fit in with the average. Michael Jordan never wanted to fit in with the average. Michael Jordan no. wanted to be putting in 50, 60 points every night. I want to put right. in 50, 60 points every night. I don't just want to beat people, uh, you know, one nothing in a, in a close game. I want it to be 12 nothing. I want it to be a defensively and offensively dominant. I don't care. I, it's one of the things in sports. There was like when I played hockey or baseball, it was like, don't, don't run up the score. Let's, let's go easy on them. We're already beating them 10 nothing. Let's go. No. This is when you're a child, though. I still hold that belief. Why? No, let's run up the no, score. No, I mean, now you can run up the score as an adult, but as a child, you don't want none of these kids to go home and kill themselves. Ah, you know, when it comes down to it, a game is a game. If you're going to kill yourself over a game, it doesn't matter, you know, what the score is. It's, it's, the outcome was going to be the same, anyways. I just feel like, why not perform to your full potential all the time? Why, why hold back? You know, the, the idea of, oh, it's enough. No, it's not enough. Let's do everything. Let's give 100%, 100% of the time. And because of that mentality and people are all like, oh, well, you know, my 100% is not your 100%. Okay, well, too bad. That means work harder. Do what I do. Wake up every day. Put in the work. Use those 24 hours of the day and dedicate them to professional wrestling, to your craft. You know, if not, well, then don't try and step on my shoes when you're not doing the work that I'm doing. I'm very proud of it. And I have a chip on my shoulder because I see people who don't want to work as hard. So you don't want to work as hard. Don't think that you deserve the same rewards that I'm getting. So that's basically what it comes down to. And I'm never going to be a person who wants to fit in with the average. I'm not, if I go to one of these major companies, it's not to go there to just have job security, to just collect a paycheck, doing my minimum, hiding in plain sight and hoping that the money will keep coming in without the work having to go out. I want to be a world champion. I want world domination. I want to be the top name on the marquee. I want to go for the jugular for whoever the top guy is. And if people want to hate me for loving my sport and loving the work that I do and wanting, God forbid, wanting to actually go in and work the hardest I can. And win. Well, you know, screw them. So I have a question for you. You can separate, that means, 
a great wrestler from the person he is outside of wrestling. Yeah, for sure. Chris Benoit, should he uh, be in the Wrestling Hall of Fame? I think so. I think so, too. I think, I think his body of work... I think he should even be in there for his wrestling. I think his body of work is enough to put him in the Hall of Fame, and that's that. I mean, it's not called the Great Human Being Hall of Fame. Exactly. It's the WWE or Professional Wrestling the great wrestler, yeah. Hall of Fame. So when it comes to wrestling, his accomplishments, yeah, it should allow him to be in there. The, the same with the Dynamite Kid. And, you know, we had Jacques on here talking about how, you know, Dynamite Kid was a horrible human being. Dynamite yeah. Kid put a gun in his wife's mouth. Dynamite Kid, you know, terrorized people in the locker rooms and stuff. But, uh-huh. but Dynamite Kid was also a really good wrestler. He was good at his profession. Yeah. So... He should have a place in there. Maybe his wife was the problem. Well, you never know, but uh, there's two sides to every story. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? The, the, the point I was trying to make earlier is that I'm a person who many times has found himself. I don't want to bring me water. I don't want to use the word uh, victim here, but I've been on the wrong end of people having one side of a story and making their decisions based on that. It's one of the things I say to people is I say to them when they come up to me and they say, "Hey, I heard this thing about you." I say, yeah. "You know what? I appreciate that you heard this about me, and I appreciate that you're not the kind of person." To make a decision based on only one side of a story. So here's what really happened. And I'm the same way. I do not judge anybody on only one side of the story. Well, the thing about Chris Benoit is uh, the other side of the story we're never going to hear. Though (laughs) I've never, (laughs) that's the best. We haven't heard it, boss. I think maybe his kids were uh, annoying. Maybe that's what it was. They ran up the phone bill. Who knows what these kids are. Like you say, we haven't heard the other side of the story. So people have jumped to judgments based on the information they have. But even if you look at the information, there's stuff that's inconclusive. There's stuff that it's like, you know, well, how did he kill himself? Yeah. It's again. I heard something about that guy, Sullivan. uh, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan uh, maybe had something to do with it. I heard all kinds of internet rumors. There, there's a lot of possibilities, but that's that's the, the weird thing about it is that you don't have all of the information, and we may never have it. So I think they're maybe trying to play it safe by not putting him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the, I think that's what it is, and also it's optics. Uh, for the for the hardcore wrestling fan, they're like, okay, I get it. He's in there for wrestling. They're worried about the casual wrestling fan who's going to be in there. You put him in there because he murdered his family, which they can't separate the two, yeah. right? Well, at the same time, there's even, you know, Triple H did an interview where he said you can't have China in the Hall of Fame because if you Google China, there's going to be uh, the pornographic stuff that's coming up. Is that what he said? Uh, yeah, he said that on, uh, I think, on Austin's podcast. Oh, that's sad because she should uh, be in the Hall of Fame. She should. I think they included her as part of DX, but they never did a, an individual Solo. yeah China induction. So like, there's a lot of these, these technicalities. There's a lot of uh, politics involved in that. But I think... It's funny that the man who dressed up as Kane went into a coffin and try to fuck a corpse uh, is drawing the line on what is acceptable uh, well you know you, you said it not me <laughs> what about uh, artists like R. Kelly though yeah can yeah. we separate the the craft from the craftsman yeah I mean his music is is, is if you liked his song before the song itself you the song still catchy to you you can't control that I mean I think it they, doesn't mean you're gonna agree with his methods so I, can I still listen to his music is it acceptable? You, yeah. Your victims, no. They're not going to like there, it. There's <laughs> a lot of double standards because, I mean, even like uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter still gets played at tons of sporting events, at, at uh, uh, college games and, and these kinds of things. You yeah. know, people don't even know the history behind, you know, what Gary Glitter did, which he, he did stuff that's almost uh, as bad, if not worse, than... Yeah than R. Kelly. Yeah, very bad, very bad. And so there's there's a bit of a double standard. It's again, we're in this media era where they put a spotlight on something, they shift the people to thinking a certain way. I'm not trying to advocate for R. Kelly. I, I, no, I it's totally, the opposite. totally uh, don't condone the things that he did. I think it's more of, let's say right now you built a house. You're the best architect. You built the best house and I live in it. I bought that house. And then you go on to murder people. The house that you created 
has nothing to do with the murder. Me living in that house is not honoring you. It's my house that I bought. This is the art. This is the thing that you built that I bought from you. It's separate. The house didn't murder anyone. That's why I think you should be able to separate. You know what I mean? If you saw Bill Cosby 20 years ago and you didn't know about what's going on, you're not a bad person because you bought tickets to watch Bill Cosby jokes. You weren't doing it because you're like, I love this guy. I think uh, I think he's going to rape people. Not at all. You just feel like, I want to hear the jokes. You didn't know anything about what he was going to, what was going to come out. It wasn't related. You didn't go because of that. Now, if you buy the house because you're like, uh, uh, I think we should murder people together and bury them in this house, different argument. But that's not mm. what we're arguing. We're arguing if you could separate something that was made independently of the crime. Mm. And I think you could. I think you could separate them. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. And I think that, like I said, it's the wrestling hall of fame. So when it comes down to it, the body of work is the thing that's being judged. But I understand also that they can't put him in because there would be a lot of backlash. You don't want to lose sponsors. Is it yeah. worth it to maybe lose $10 million no. to do it? That, that's where it becomes, you know, business. Business needs to be first. So again, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze in that. I'm just a guy giving an opinion. I, I'm and, with you. I don't think it's worth it. I just want to know your opinion. I don't think it's worth it, but I also think the reasoning is stupid. But economically, I know it's going to hurt them. I know that economically sponsors would try to virtue signal and be like, we're against this. Uh, and they're going to try to make it seem like the WWE is for family murder, mm. which is not the case. And for the record, I, I do feel China should get a, an individual induction Me too. into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, be, be the whole clear. country, not just one person. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> But no, China deserves it. China was one of those, uh, the pioneering women in it that was beating up the dudes and yeah. stuff. Uh, all her storylines with the ex—it was it was big at the time. Beat up Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. It's surprising the way the Hall of Fame works, you know. And I often wonder because I know one year they wanted the Honky Tonk Man. I know the Honky Tonk Man really well. Uh, traveled with him. Oh yeah, uh, been on tons of shows, tons of shows with the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, only did one match where we we teamed up. Never worked against him, but we teamed up. And uh, he had told me there was one year they wanted him in. But he had a scheduling conflict. He couldn't go that year. And they eventually got him in, I think, maybe two years later. But uh, I don't know how it works with the Hall of Fame and how they decide it. Because even, you know, this past weekend, like, we were on a show. There was tons of people there. Uh, Victoria was on the show. Oh. You know, she was, you know, my favorite woman's wrestler or looking, diva. How's she looking? Uh, looking great. You can go on my pages there on my, my Instagram and all that. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, the man back here can, can pull it up. Yeah, Victoria's you know? looking but, uh, right now. You know, she was on there and it's like, you know, it's a shame that Victoria is not in the Hall of Fame when like all of her peers, the Molly Holly got in. Trish, is, I mean, obviously Trish is Trish. Um, Lita's in there and, and Victoria, uh, you know, a girl probably more talented, easily more talented than Lita, you know, wasn't framed in that direction, but she can do all the things Lita does. I think she's better looking than Lita, better physique, better shape, better on the microphone. Um, Victoria's not in there yet. So, you know, I, I'm just think to me, it's, it's like, well, I just don't see why someone like Tori. What did Victoria do? I, I don't know. But like I bad. mean, yeah, exactly. if, if you think about it, someone like, let's say Tori Wilson, you know, I don't think Tori Wilson had anywhere near the impact on professional wrestling that Victoria did. Tori Wilson went in the Hall of Fame. So Stacy Keebler in the Hall of Fame. Stacy Keebler's in the Hall of Fame. To be fair, I think Stacy like Keebler, Keebler had a bit more of an impact in wrestling than WWE at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even in WWE, like she, she did a lot of memorable stuff too. Net was never champion. Neither of them were champion. Victoria, you know, multiple time champion. So it's weird to me that they wouldn't have put her in the Hall of Fame already. And that's where I think, like you know, the politics play into that. I think Alundra Blaze was in the Hall of Fame, no? Yeah, she got in. They they forgave her for the the old. She uh, did the worst thing possible. So what she did, Poseidon, so you know is uh, at the time, you, there's different. there was two different wrestling organizations that were big, the WWE and the WCW, WWF at the time probably. And she was the, the WWF's women's champion. Who's this? Uh, her uh, name was Alundra Blaze. Blaze. Okay. Women's champion, a big thing. 
And she she led them to believe that she would kind of resign her contract. She'd be there. She had the title. And then she didn't resign. So the next week, she showed up on WCW television as the WWF Women's Champion. And in front of everyone, in front of the camera, she threw the title in the garbage. She goes, this is worthless. It's a garbage thing, which devalued the whole division in the WWF. It set back women's wrestling quite a bit, too. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Because it's kind of like, uh, let's say, George St. Pierre wins the championship yeah. and then went to Bellator. He's like, this fucking goofy title and just throws it. Yeah. They'd be like, what the fuck? And then it's meaningless because all the people that fought for it, it's like, it's nothing. Look, he doesn't even care. He won it. And he's yeah. like, oh, this isn't a real yeah. thing. So it was, a, it was a huge controversy. And she was blacklisted from the W. They never wanted to hear about it. They never wanted to forgive her. But, you know, that's why I said with time, time heals most wounds. Um, they forgave her and they put her in the in the Hall of Fame, even though she did one of the most insulting things she could have to them. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, and crazy. Who, who was Victoria? Because you said to to bring something up. Sorry. Oh, she was a wrestler too. Victoria yeah. was a wrestler. She was an important wrestler. Tori, look, that era of those those women. If it wasn't for them, including Trish Stratus, the chicks that do it now wouldn't be there. Okay. She was a pioneer. Yeah. She was one of, like, I, I mean... Because they used to just be valets women. They used to just be on the side, like, bring a guy to the ring. They, now they were getting involved in storylines. They were wrestling, but training to properly wrestle. Yeah. Pull some uh, high-flying maneuvers, uh, take bumps. So it, it set women up to join wrestling and to actually be part of it, not yeah. just be a hot chick on the side. So, so what, I, what I was saying was on my, my Instagram, there should be a picture of me and Victoria. You'll see she's in, uh, in a red uh, bodysuit. But Victoria was, was my favorite woman wrestler. And the thing is, I feel like she was kind of held back probably because there was someone like Lita. Because, you know, Lita was taller. She did a moonsault. It, all stuff Victoria yeah. could do. Victoria was in much better shape, could handle a microphone way better. I used the same criteria that I used to describe me, that Bret Hart uses to evaluate a wrestler. The look, the talking, and the wrestling. And like Victoria, she did the first cage match uh, along with Lita. <clears throat> she had a great rivalry with Trish Stratus. She had WrestleMania, big time match at WrestleMania, yeah. many women's championships, longevity in the company. She had many, many years there. She was uh, one of the Bella's first opponents on TV. That's like how long she was there and put in so much time and so much effort. And then it's like Tori Wilson's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, Stacey Keebler's in the Hall of Fame. When Maybe it was one of those scheduling conflicts again, like the Honky Tonk Man, she'll be in next year. No, we don't know. I don't know. Maybe turn this into a clip. We can tag her in it. We can get to the bottom of it. But I yeah. think that Victoria definitely should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one of the best, one of the most uh, dynamic. Anything they gave her, whether they had her being like a crazy psycho or they had her being a happy dancing baby face, she made the most out of everything. She has moves that were iconic and, and innovative, like the Widow's Peak. Um Again, I just it, to me, it's like you're looking at it objectively, her talent, her body of work, her accomplishments. How have people who have done less gotten in the Hall of Fame? But then again, Jacques it's like, Rougeau, Jacques it's like that with not, everything. Jacques Rougeau's not in the Hall of Fame either. And I think you know, Jacques Rougeau, they, they must hate him. Like, I think Jacques Rougeau caused some, stirred some shit with them or something. Like, they're still right because there's no other reason why one of the Mounties. There's, there's yeah. so many avenues to get Jacques in there. He said it himself, you know, whether it be him and Raymond as the Rougeau brothers, whether it be him and PCO as the Quebecers or him as the Mountie, you know, he accomplished so much and they seem to uh, be gun shy. To put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's he, gunshot. It must be something. Something must have happened. A rivalry. Something was because it's impossible. Well, I mean, he did uh, hit Dynamite Kid with that roll of quarters, but as not, he said last yeah, time. Yeah, but Dynamite Kid's not there making the rules. I think he's, all, he's also not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so I think something else may have happened. I'm not saying it did. I have no idea. I'm not in that business. I'm saying it seems like it would be such an obvious move. Yeah, and a good one too. Him dressed as a Mountie would look funny. Yeah, no, it's it's a big omission. But both of them, you know, Jacques and Victoria. But maybe they're coming. 
Who knows? You might get your wish this year, which would be hilarious. And you got nothing to complain about. Well, you know, it's, it's because of us doing this. This is the power of social media. This is the power of podcasts. You know, when I started this journey, let's say, you know, at the start of COVID, yeah. people were saying like, you know, you can't just go on a podcast and talk your way into achieving the things that you want. You did. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you people, did. People yeah. threatened me along the way. People said all kinds of nonsense. And I told them, I said, no, no, this is exactly how you do it. Like, you know, there was a thing called, uh, people say, oh, you know, don't go out there and talk about stuff or you can't talk your way into anything. It's like, well, we had a thing called the speaking out movement in wrestling where people outed a lot of child molesters and pedophiles and all these kinds of people uh, through talking about it. So, you know, locally or in general. Oh, in, in, in general, throughout the entire wrestling. Who the business. hell was a child molester? Oh, tons of people. Tons of people are not even worth mentioning Undertaker? on here. You Undertaker, could, was the Undertaker touching kids? Uh, no, I don't think the Undertaker. Was, Feels like it would uh, fit the mold. Uh, but uh, no, it, it outed a lot of people. So that was where, you know, I got my template from. As I said, look, we have an issue here as Canadian. We're not getting those same kind of opportunities. And I'm going to said it right here. It. Yeah. And I, it became a whole thing. I said, I'll talk about it. I don't care. I, I really don't care. You got a problem with it. I'm not a hard guy to find. So, you know, I'm going to make sure that we change this because if people never spoke up about slavery, it would have never changed. Uh, if people never spoke up about, like I said, these, uh, these child molesters and, and pedophiles and rapists, you know, that would have never changed in the wrestling business. If people don't talk about things, things don't change. So I'm not scared to talk about things. People may not like my approach, but hey, I speak my mind and I stand by the things I believe in. And I believe that we were getting wrong here as a country and i said i'm going to change it i'm going to be like that jackie robinson figure to change this for canadian wrestlers so that people can see you can gain merits in your own country like i've done wrestling coast to coast and then the big companies will come and scout you and you will be able to get that position you don't have to try to go work illegally in the states you don't have to do things the illegal way the american way you can do it the canadian way and succeed you know what that is the best way to end this Loving the message, Jeremy. Uh, links are in the description. Support our boy, Jeremy Prophet. He's out there. He's making things happen. He worked very hard to get to where he is now. And the truth is, this is only the beginning. He's got a lot of hard work in front of him. So online, support him. You're going to be able to see him. Uh, he's going to be at AEW. He's trying his best to get maybe two matches uh, when they come to Ontario. We'll see. It's up to them. He doesn't decide that stuff. Whatever they need him for, he's going to do because he's putting in the work. Jeremy, thank you for being here, bro. Thank you, Pantelis. Thank you, Mr. Poseidon. And uh, believe me, no matter what success I achieve, I will always be happy, unlike those other guys that you try to reach out to, but they're too bourgeoisie to give you the time of day. No matter what success I achieve, I will be here right back in this seat on this show. That God is a promise. Right. Like I said, I'm not a politician because I keep my promises. So yeah. no matter what I achieve, I will be back here to thank you guys for believing in me from the start of this journey. You heard it. LeBron James, stop refusing my invites. <laughs> thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.